All right, what's up, Rev? Just because there are like 15 of you doesn't mean that that's a reason to not have any energy at all. What's up, Rev? See, that was better than when we have like 150 people in here. See, that's awesome. All right. Um, Well, tonight we're going to spend time again in our favorite text over the last few months uh, in Matthew 28, the the Great Commission text. That is on page 598 in the Blue Bibles. If you do not have a Bible, this is one for you. Take it home with you. If, if you like it, if it helps you to read, then, then we want you to be in Scripture. So, like Megan said, it's Star Wars Day. That's an exciting day. And, uh, hey, Kelly. Kelly just showed up late, right? All right. Um, see, I can just harass people because there's like 15 of you, so I can like pick you out. I know everybody's names. Um, no, and Wolf's not here. I was going to harass him because he doesn't like Star Wars. And that's not okay. Yeah, see? Jim's with me. All right. So, let's jump in. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Under the heading, The Great Commission there. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what's going on here is uh, Jesus was just resurrected at the beginning of the chapter. And, uh, you know, so just a few days ago, Jesus had had died on the cross, bearing the the punishment for our sins. He um, then was was buried in a tomb for three days. And after the third day, God raised him from the dead. And uh, and then Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of James the Lesser, who was one of the disciples... Uh, they went to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. They met a, an angel of the Lord, and he said, Go get the disciples. Send them to Galilee. So that's what they did. The disciples get to Galilee. They see Jesus, and they immediately worship him. And the first act that Jesus has after his resurrection, after he has conquered death, is to tell them, all authority has been given to me. Now go out and tell everybody. Go out and tell everybody about what I've done on the cross. Go out and tell everybody that I've conquered death on their behalf. And so, like, like he said, he has been given all authority in heaven and earth. And, and the, the way that he displayed that is actually through his resurrection. That... Uh, He had victory over death. He looked death in the face and said, you have no hold on me. And obviously the disciples found this to be um, pretty convincing because the first thing they do, Jesus was like this rabbi that they followed around and learned from. And and yeah, they believed he was God, but like it was at that moment that they, they fell and they worshiped him. 
Like they realize this dude has power over death. Not only has he raised people from the dead, but he can raise himself from the dead, and that's pretty, pretty gnarly. And so he claims his authority, which is displayed in his resurrection. And then he says, he gives a command, right, based on that authority. Go out and make disciples of all the nations. And so he, he actually says, therefore, go and make disciples. So therefore being this, this logical transition from, hey, uh, death, it can't hold me in the grave. I've got the power over that. I've got power over everything. Now, by that authority, I tell you, go and make disciples. And so we, whenever we are faced with some kind of authority figure, they always have some, uh, some reason for being authoritative whether it's they have the skills to be your uh, manager or um, maybe they have been doing this for a long time, so they have authority in that. Maybe I, uh, like, I look up to Dowdy a lot and, and the level of um, studying he does in Scripture. And he has authority to me whenever he speaks to me because I know he's speaking from Scripture. And so, and for whatever reason, this makes me think of like uh, last weekend I was over at Ryan and Christie's house. We were having a, a cookout with like killer smoked chicken, and it was awesome. And uh, the Bennetts were there, and, and their kids were all playing, and they come upstairs, and they're all excited. They're looking for candy because uh, all the girls are playing school, Right? And they, uh, you know, the two older ones, they're like, we're the teachers, so you have to take a spelling test. Right? They appealed to their authority as the big sisters, as the teachers, you've got to take a spelling test. It also helped that they had candy to give them, so that helps with the whole authority thing, too. But, in the, <laughs> in the same kind of way, but in a much more serious way, Jesus is claiming victory over death and is establishing himself as the supreme authority over everything so that he can uh, call us to devote our lives to sharing the gospel with people. That we would go out and baptize them in his name. That we would uh, then teach people to obey him and to follow him. So it's by that authority that he can command us that. And so... Jesus is establishing himself as the Lord over everything, including our lives to the point where he can tell you, you're going to devote your lives to this. I own every aspect of your life. I am the Lord over everything that you do. And so after four months of doing doing the, the Great Commission, Apathy is Not an Option sermon series, We've been going through, you know, core doctrines of our faith. We've been going through apologetics. We've been going through um, actually putting those things into practice. And I want to ask you, have these words by Christ to go and make disciples of all nations had any greater weight in your heart after four months? Has anything changed Uh, Last week I mentioned 
that our growth and our following Christ doesn't stop at, at the baptisms we saw a couple weeks ago. It doesn't stop uh, whenever you pray a prayer to accept Christ. It doesn't uh, stop at showing up here every week. It doesn't stop at going to small group every week. It doesn't even stop in praying every night, reading your Bible every single day, but that it continues to move forward. We continue to grow in him. And it continues in sacrificially serving others. It continues in sharing the gospel with others. It continues in helping those people to grow and share the gospel with others as well. So if, if that were true, me and Dowdy and Ryan and Corey and Caleb would not be up here teaching and telling you every single week, go out, tell people about the gospel. Go out, share your faith with people. Go out, bring people back. We wouldn't be doing that if the end goal was for you guys to show up or for us to show up every week. We wouldn't do that. And so this entire sermon series has been talking about evangelism that one of the hardest things in, in Christianity. It really is. I totally agree. It sucks to feel stupid in front of somebody uh, to share something with them, and they look at you like you're you're cra- you believe in God, like you're ridiculous. I had my best friend in college is an atheist, and I just laid out the gospel one time, and it had really been weighing on me for a while. And he just goes, "Eric, I think you're the coolest, one of the one of the uh, most solid dudes I've ever met." But I think everybody that believes in God is delusional. So he's telling me I'm crazy to my face, and that's like my greatest fear, right? Every time that we go to share the gospel with somebody, every time that we talk about our faith, that's like what we're afraid of, right? We're afraid to look stupid. We're afraid that people will think differently of us or think lesser of us. But tonight, what I want to talk about is the fact that even after sharing the gospel, even after um, leading somebody to the Lord, it doesn't stop there. That it is our job as the church, it's our job as Christians, it's our job as friends of these people and family members to continue to carry them and push them to grow. So it doesn't even stop at evangelism. It doesn't even stop Right here, we've been talking about evangelism, actually getting out and telling people the gospel, and it doesn't even stop there. That what Jesus said is to go and make disciples, which is more than just people that pray to prayer, right? To baptize them, and then to teach them to obey all of his commands. It's much more than leading somebody in a prayer even. And so, there's a lifetime of growth involved in this. I'm not going to ever stop... Well, I shouldn't say that. I definitely hit flat spots in my growth, right? Everybody hits some kind of plateau at some point in their life. It's going to happen. But I will never be to a point where there's no headroom to grow. I mean, I know I'm a tall dude, but it's a high ceiling. And so it's our responsibility as believers to 
adopt younger believers, to, to push them and to encourage them to grow, to actually disciple them. And so we can actually look at some of Paul's writings like uh, 1 Thessalonians two nineteen and 20. You don't have to pull it up. It's, it's going to be up on the screen here. I'll just read it off the screen. Paul's number one priority is to make disciples and continue to disciple these people. After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you, yes, you are our pride and joy. So he's talking to these believers, telling them that they are the most, they are what he wants to show off to Jesus. When Jesus comes back, he wants to say, look, all these people are followers of you, and I I shared what you did on the cross with them because I believe it was the most loving thing to do. And we can also look at uh, Philippians 1.25. That also makes a case for that. Uh, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you to grow and experience the joy of your faith. So this is the very reason that he's alive, is to continue to help them to grow. It's the point of his existence. The only reason God hasn't taken him home yet. And if you studied uh, anything about uh, Paul in particular, like, dude had a rough ride at the end. Like, he was not in good health. So his heart leaps for their growth in Christ. He's excited to stand before God and have a line of people behind him. They're like, hey, This is for you, Jesus. This is my response to the cross, is to tell others about the cross. And so, he's kind of like the servant from from Jesus' parable with the talents that, that he's giving back to the Lord what he could do with what God had given him. You know, Paul wasn't, um, the likeliest of heroes, right? The, dude uh, was not kind to Christians, Um, but God worked in him and and, and changed his life around so that he could go and and lead a lot of people to Jesus. And so his joy is in the legacy in Christ that he had built on earth. His ministry was his joy. And I want to ask ourselves what our legacy is our revolution, what's our legacy in Portsmouth? What's your legacy as an individual? Who have you helped to grow? Are you sharing the gospel with anybody? Are you discipling anybody? Because I'm convinced that this commission that we've been talking about for four months is not just to the disciples. It's not just to the pastors and the preachers and the teachers. It's not just to the professional Christians. But it's actually to all of us. And there is plenty of opportunity right here 
in this room. There's plenty of opportunity um, at Shawnee State. There's plenty of opportunity in Portsmouth. There's plenty of opportunity in the East End. There's plenty of opportunity in Wayne Hills. There's plenty of opportunity here. And I honestly think that we haven't done a good job. And I mean, I'm in leadership, so I'm, I got to stand before God about it someday. Like, I don't think we've done a good job. Um, share a little bit about my story, uh, story is, uh, I came to Revolution for about three years. Uh, Allie actually brought me to Revolution for the first time, like my junior year of college. And I came to Revolution for three years. Uh, I, I started to get involved in, in free seminary like a year in or so. And, and I, you know, kind of pushed my way in, eventually became an intern. Moved in in the East End, getting involved down there. And I can honestly say that in the first three years, I didn't really have like a more mature Christian pouring into me. I didn't. Um, that's not true of everybody. I know, like, Dowdy uh, is really close with Pastor Matt still and, and Ryan and, and gets poured into by them and has for a long time. Um, but that just wasn't my story. I didn't, I didn't really have that. Um, I actually, I grew up in a family that uh, didn't know Christ. Like, we went to church every once in a while. We, um, I don't know, we were good people. But we didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't talk about God. That, that wasn't in our vocabulary. They, I mean, they're not believers. And so um, in fifth grade, a uh, youth pastor moved in down the street from me. He, uh, Pastor Dave, he invited me to go to church with them. He had a daughter my age, and uh, I would hang out with them, and I uh, spent time with their family, and they poured into me, and they loved me, and taught me about Christ. They shared the gospel with me. I came to know Christ whenever I was in that youth group. And through high school, like, I was growing, like, a lot, and I had I had those older people pouring into me, and I, I came to college, and I, like, didn't know what to do. I was down here. I didn't know very many people down here. Uh, I went to a couple churches and just, you know, whatever. But I didn't have that, and it was stagnating, my growth. And so I came, I eventually came to Rev, came for about three years before I started working for Ryan, and, uh, and Ryan became that to me. He became that mentor. He, he poured into me. He comes into my office and, and talks to me about spiritual things. I can ask him about difficult stuff going on in my life. I can ask him about difficult things I'm reading in Scripture. They invite me to dinner, and we will have tacos every time. It's, it's just a fact. For whatever reason, I get invited on taco night, no other night. Uh, they, Christy's embarrassed about it, so I, I have to uh, say that. But they, they care about me, and they, they pour into me, and it has helped me to grow tremendously. And I don't know where I, would, where I would be if I didn't have Ryan pouring into me as, as my elder, as, as my pastor, and as uh, an older, more mature Christian who just loves me and cares for me.
I know my story is not unique. And I came to Rev for a while before anybody uh, really poured into me. And I was a pretty involved dude. Uh, Hannah started coming to me for like eight, nine months, and nobody really talked to her. And that was tough. I didn't know what to do because I loved Rev, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Dave Dowdy and Dave Dunham were the two people every week that talked to her. <laughs> How can we do that? So, <laughs> that being said, I think we can do a lot better. And the fault is on all of us. Like I said, I'm in leadership now. This is on me. This is on me. And that's the whole reason I'm doing this. It's the whole reason I would even talk about this up here. So I actually care about you guys, and I want to further your joy in, into pouring into people. And so we have about uh, this year, the Shawnee State, they just had their graduation. The year just ended. Um, this year, we had like 45 to 60 students come in and out of here. I have no idea what the actual number was total, but it was a lot. Um, we just had a, a small group of people who brought a ton of people every week. It was awesome. We had like the entire soccer team here. It's kind of crazy. The soccer team has not been known for being Jesus lovers in the past. I'm just throwing that out there. But it's awesome. Lots of people heard the gospel because they came here. Also, lots of people walked out the door at the end of the year and barely had anything more than somebody asking them how their week was every week when it came to people actually pouring into them. And so we got lucky this year that we had so many college students. We might not be as lucky next year. We might be like we were two years ago where we had like 10 people or less. So we might not be as lucky next year. So it does go beyond saying hi or standing at the door and, and shaking people's hands. And I'm terrible at this. I will flat out say I'm terrible at like making small talk. I'm terrible at like investing in people that I don't really know. I'm super awkward. I think everybody knows that. Um, that I'm not good at this. But we have to do more than just say hello. How was your week? How are you doing? And get the typical good response. We have to do more than that. It's about investing in people. take joy in what their lives are about and what they're doing and, and, and how they're growing. To actually show them how to grow, to teach them and, and build them up in the Lord like uh, Christ is calling us to do in this text. And I also want to be clear that this isn't just about the college. I know that I lead the college Bible study. Everybody knows that I'm, I'm biased in that way. But it's about everybody in this room because everybody in this room needs discipled. Every single person. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're not a believer. I don't care if uh, 
you know, you graduated from seminary or what. doesn't matter. Everybody needs discipled, every single one of us. This is about um, the, the recovering addicts that we have coming in here. These are about um, the college students. These are about the young families. These are about the people that have just been booted out of other churches, the people who have been exiled and looked down on. This is about the regular Joe Schmo that has a pretty good life. Every single one of us needs discipled. And so, if your involvement here ends at 7.45 or whatever time we get out of here, then I hope that tonight and in the future you will go home and ask yourself and wrestle with the fact that you were called to do more by Jesus in this text. I don't want you to walk away without actually asking yourself the question, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? This includes me. I suck at this. I'm terrible at this. And so I did want to address a couple uh, objections that might be in people's heads tonight, two of them. Uh, The two that I thought would be the, the biggest ones popping up in people's brains. The first one being, I have a family. Uh, I am called to minister to them first. I don't have time to minister to anybody else. I really need to invest in them. I, I, I can't invest in anybody else. And I totally agree, your family needs to come first. We are pretty open here. We'll tell you that God's your first priority, your spouse is your second priority, your children are your third priority, and the church is number four. Every single one of us is going to tell you that. Nobody's going to ask you to choose the church over your family. Your spouse is right behind Jesus, your children right behind your spouse, and the church right behind your children. But I can promise you that your family and your, your uh, spouse and your relationship with Christ is going to benefit greatly from you pouring into somebody outside of your family and bringing somebody in and investing in them and discipling them and helping them to grow. Your children are going to see Christ's admonishing and, and discipling love whenever you pour into people. Your spouse is going to see Christ's sacrificial love through investing in a young believer. You are going to know more about how Christ has pursued you when you pursue somebody that may not know Jesus as well as you do. Your entire world is going to be flipped upside down. And the people that we have come in here, the the whole thing that Rev was based on, uh, all of the advertising we've ever done, um, kind of the whole vibe of the black and metal and red stuff, is, is to invite people who are not churchy people, people who have been cast out by the other uh, self-righteous people. These are uh, the people that have not been welcome elsewhere. That's our whole thing. That's what we've been about since day one, since before I've been here. 
since before Dowdy's been here, since Ryan and Matt and, and Aaron and Justin started this thing, it was about reaching the people that nobody else wanted. And guess what? That means we're going to get people that nobody else wants, nobody else cares about, nobody else wants to invest in. And so we have to pour into them whenever they don't have anybody else. They don't have, they may not have anybody that cares about them in general, let alone their spiritual well-being. That's got to be our goal. That's got to be what we do. Second objection I wanted to address is this thought, which I guarantee this is the big one that everybody's thinking, is I don't have anything to give. I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I can't teach. I'm really young in my faith. I'm really immature. I'm not there yet. I can't lead somebody. And I want to tell you that that is a lie. I mean, that's a lie. If you have Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, if you know the gospel, then you have everything that you need, right? You have the Holy Spirit. You have everything that you need to share the gospel with somebody else. I mean, shoot, there are people in other countries, like in China or or in the whole continent of Africa, where they don't even have Bibles and Christianity spreading like wildfire. Because they hear the gospel, it changes their lives, and they go and tell more people about the gospel. They don't have education. They don't have, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have, like, your iPhone to look up that verse that you can't think of on the spot. They don't have any of that. In fact, they live in countries where you'll, like, be killed for sharing your faith or giving somebody a Bible. And so that can't, be, that can't be an excuse for us. We have absolutely everything that we need. Like, every time I'm feeling awkward or, or nervous about coming up here, which is every week, Dowdy likes to encourage me um, by sharing something that, that uh, Dave Dunham shared with him, that it's not our job to change people's minds. It's not our job to make people become Christians. But it's it's our job to preach the gospel faithfully and the Holy Spirit's going to do the work in their heart. Or not. Well, that's everything we can do. Sharing the gospel. That's the best we can do. Doesn't matter if you're not a good speaker. I think I've proven that wrong. And so, if you are a follower of Christ, then you should know the gospel. You should have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And that's more than enough to start leading people in Christ. One of the biggest things we push here is is the gospel, right? Uh, We make sure that the gospel is in every single message. that, That we are horrible, sinful people that we will rebel against God every chance that we get, that we can't be good enough, and that to make up for our downfall, 
Jesus became a physical man to live the perfect life that we were supposed to so that he can die on a cross for our sin, take our punishment in our place, something he didn't deserve, so that he can give us that righteous life that we were supposed to have in the first place. And you can disciple with that. That right there, like a couple sentences. You can lead people to Christ with that. You can, you can base your decision on what you're going to do tomorrow off of that. Does it honor the gospel? Does it honor Christ? We don't know how to disciple. We can look straight at Jesus. How did Jesus disciple? Jesus uh, lived with these dudes. He did life with them. He taught them. He let them learn the hard way sometimes. He cared for their needs. It wasn't about teaching them Bible verses. Right? It wasn't thee before thou except after thine like we see in the Jesus videos. And I, I understand. It's, it's difficult to be givers, to, to focus on other people more than ourselves. It's difficult to not focus inwardly. I will be the first one to admit that if I got like a free day off, I'm not probably going to spend it on somebody else. I'm going to chill in my house. I'm going to... Um, hang out and watch a movie, I'm going to do like Eric stuff. And that's not exactly the right attitude to have, is it? But as Christians, we're actually defined as being givers. That in John 4, 13 through, 13 through 14, up here on the screen, Jesus replied, and anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This is when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he's telling her, hey, I will give you living water. And in you, it's going to become a spring. It's going to overflow we see that more in John seven thirty eight. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. That this living water, which right in the verse right after that, we don't have it up there, um, it says, is the Holy Spirit. That after we accept Christ after we start following Jesus that he fills us with the Holy Spirit and it will overflow. It's what it does. There's no other option. It will overflow. It's going to come up out of us. By definition, Christians live in abundance of spirit. That there is always going to be more. There's always going to be more to give you're never going to run out. And so, there's, there's always more to give. So by definition, if you're a Christian, then you are a giver. You are an investor. You're going to pour that into people. 
whether you know it or not. I recognize that there are people that are way better at investing in others, way better at giving in general than I am. I'm like a greedy, selfish person. But by definition, if I'm in Christ, then I am a giver, a sacrificial giver. I'm going to invest in those around me. God didn't make some of us to be givers and some of us not. If you're a Christian, then you're a giver. Period. And we need to realize that and we need to take up what we've been called to do, which is to, to bring more people into the, 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 the flock and to shepherd them, to help them to grow to disciple them, to love them, and invest in them. That's our mission here. That's our mission in this room. That's our mission in this body. That's our mission for Portsmouth and Scioto County and for the world. And I know that fear seems to overcome us whenever we try to do any of that. I've talked to a lot of people that say, I don't, I'm not smart enough. I'm afraid that I will be turned down. I'm afraid I will be shoved out. I'm afraid that people will think less of me. But right here at the end of that text, the very last line of Matthew, Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, that we have nothing to fear. Why does he say that right after telling them, go out to every corner of the earth and tell everybody about what I've done? Because he foresees that they're going to be afraid, that they're going to be faced with incredibly difficult situations, that they're going to be afraid to be pushed out and exiled. And heck, back in their time, they're being stoned and hanged and crucified. So don't worry. I'm with you. Remember the guy that just died and then kicked death in the face? That was me. Don't worry about it. That's our mission. I mean, we've been harping on it for the last four months. Hopefully it's come across pretty clear that we don't want to be a comfortable church. We don't want to be. We want to be out there. We want to be serving others. We want to share the gospel with people that we work with and we live with and we live across the street from. Everybody. And we have to invest here as well. In August, more students are going to come. Of the whole new batch of freshmen many of which won't know anything about Jesus. It's our job to pour into them. Hopefully over the summer, we're going to be pulling people in who don't come from that demographic, that we're going to be going out and sharing the gospel and and telling our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers about Jesus, about revolution, about what God's doing here. Hopefully we'll bring those people too. We'll invest in them and and pour into them as well. 
So I guess my last challenge for you guys. We're going to have communion here in a little bit. We're going to have a, a symbolic communion, a, a, a traditional communion, and we're also going to have some food too afterwards. Um, during that time after, afterwards, how about you sit with somebody you don't know? Talk to them. Invest in somebody that you know nobody's investing in. Get to know them. Challenge yourself. I want you to go home and talk to your, to your spouse, to those that are closest around you, and say, how can we do this? It doesn't stop here. I don't want you to walk home or, or drive, walk home, drive home and, and, and forget about what this was even about. Because we're good at that. That's not just Rev, though. That's everybody. That's all Christians. <laughs> but that we would go out and actually think about this tonight. How do we do this? Like I said, talk to your spouse. Talk to your best friend. Talk to the people that you know and are friends with here at Rev. How can we adopt these people into this fold? How can we help them to grow? All right? So let's pray and we'll start worship. God, we thank you for your word and how you continue to speak to us through it, God. That it never returns void. That when we're studying your word, whenever we're taking your commands seriously, we know that we are growing. God, and I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to follow you in this command. That we would not be afraid to take your gospel out into this community, to take it to our neighborhoods and our workplaces, and to share it with others. And then also preach it to ourselves every single day so that we can, we can uh, come here and we can, and we can uh, throughout the week, invest in our fellow believers and this, and this flock, God, that, that we can continue to grow and serve and show others how to grow and serve. Lord, I pray that you would just break our hearts tonight, that you would convict us and work in us, that we wouldn't be stagnant, that we wouldn't be apathetic, and know that there is no option but to follow. God, I pray that this week we would go out and, and put this into action. I pray that tonight in worship we can lay down those fears that hold us back. And God, I pray that above all else your name would be made known. In Jesus' name, amen.